0: Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for bringing us here this evening. And Lord, we thank you that it is your word that brings us here. And Lord, it is your kindness to us, your grace at work in our lives that explains why we're sat here this evening, gathered around your life-giving word, uh, anticipating, encouraging each other as we share together what you have revealed to each one of us. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the Psalms. We thank you for the gift that they are to us, the model that they give us, for prayer and praise lord as we look again now at these psalms and as we fellowship together around them we pray that your holy spirit would be at work within us in our hearts impressing the glorious beautiful truths of these psalms deeper into our souls Uh, lord would you bring us fresh encouragement fresh strength fresh hope fresh faith in christ we pray lord that we would go away from here in a an hour or so's time uh, with our hearts literally singing for joy uh, because we've met with you and you have fed us with your word. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, so tonight, book two of the Psalms. We have been, um, As we've been breaking up our study of the book of Psalms, it's, it's certainly made me more conscious, uh, in a way that I haven't been before, that there are these five books within it. Uh, And that the Psalms is actually a book of books. I'm not sure I've ever really given it much thought until we started to uh, look at the book in this way. Uh, The Psalms is a collection of 150 divinely inspired songs and hymns, but split into these five books. It's like five books in one. Maybe you can picture a book you've got at home where you've got a bit of a bargain because it's a five in one bumper volume. It's a bit like the Psalms. And so I thought as I try and set the scene for our uh, conversations this evening... Rather than me dig down too much into individual psalms and kind of steal some of our thunder, some of the gems that we really want to talk about together, I've decided instead here at the outset just to explain a little bit more about the five books and then pick out a few particular emphases uh, that are there in book two before we get into our groups. Uh, Because While it's not essential to to enjoying the Psalms to recognize there are five books, and many of us have perhaps gone for years or decades never giving it a moment's thought, I still think it can further enrich our reading and our rereading of the Psalms to recognize that it has this structure there and to understand a little bit of um, why it's there, why the Psalms is made up in that way. The the first obvious thing it tells us is that the Psalms didn't quite look the way it does today. It didn't always look like that. Uh, These five books were gathered and put together in progressive stages over an extended period of Israel's history. Uh, So, Book One was compiled and bound together first, and then later Book Two added, and later Book Three added to that. Uh, I thought it's a bit like um, if you've ever you follow a TV series and you started to buy it on DVD or Blu-ray and You know, year after year, you can get a bigger and bigger complete series pack with all of those seasons added on. It's kind of what happened with the Psalms. Uh, And book one was probably, hey David, book one was probably compiled by either David or Solomon themselves early on in the history of Israel's monarchy. But book two was put together 300 years later, at least 300 years later, most likely during the reign of Hezekiah. So he was 14 kings down the line from King David. But that doesn't mean that the Psalms, of course, in Book 2 were 300 years newer. Uh, So when we say it's compiled later, it's kind of like, imagine someone sitting down today, here in the 21st century, compiling some prayers and songs that were written by Christians in the 1600s and 1700s. That's kind of what was happening uh, probably around the time of Hezekiah. And um, this second book of Psalms was compiled at that time for a reason. And there's a real encouragement in thinking about this reason. Because King Hezekiah was one of the good kings of Judah. There weren't necessarily that many good kings. But he was one of the good ones. And he set about destroying Israel's idols. And he sought to revive Israel's worship and devotion to God. You can read about that in 1 Kings 18 and around there. Sorry, 2 Kings 18. And that reviving work included compiling more of the ancient writings to feed the people of God with God's word and to sort of light their path and help them know how to follow God faithfully. Uh, we told him Proverbs 25 verse 1 that it was the men of Hezekiah who compiled more of the Proverbs of Solomon. And it seems quite likely it was perhaps this same group of Hezekiah's men who compiled book two of the Psalms for the same purpose, this is is the encouraging bit I think, it seems that book two of the Psalms was put together to revive the worship and devotion of God's people, to revive the nation of Judah, to help them return to the wise ways, the wise ways of David and Solomon and and so on. I find that uh, a, a wonderful added encouragement to reading and praying and singing Book Two of the Psalms, knowing that it was compiled and put together to revive the hearts and minds of God's people. Uh, I, I, I so want and need that revival. And Psalm, book, book Two of the Psalms is given to help that happen in our hearts. It's important to say, just going on to themes, I'm sorry, I didn't flag up, you've obviously got a handout there, so hopefully you're tracking along. Uh, it's important to say there's, there's, there's no absolutely clear and unique theme to each, what, each of the five books in the Book of Psalms. Uh, there's no clear explanation for the inclusion of each psalm. You know, why is Psalm 12 in Book 1 and why is Psalm 44 in Book 2 and so on? Uh, if there is a pattern, not every psalm fits into the pattern. But that's not to say they're completely random in their placement and that there aren't some different overarching themes to each of the books. So I just wanted to introduce a couple of ideas there because, again, I just think it enriches our reading and our discussion. So first of all, uh, it says, you can see it's on your sheet, there is a sense of general movement forward through the five books that mirrors the history of Israel and the promises of the prophets. Uh, so book one focuses a lot on David himself and his kingship. And I think perhaps that's why, of all the sections in the psalms book one is the one you could most easily imagine on the lips of jesus himself as the ultimate king you can imagine him praying those psalms book two widens its focus to include david's kingdom and the people within it book three has echoes of the fall of david's kingdom book four speaks of god's kingship over all the earth and book five. in Book 5, we see the nations and all creation finally coming in to worship the God and King of Israel. So there's this kind of movement through the five books that seems to mirror God's plan to establish his kingdom and his king over all the earth. But alongside that, many commentators have also recognized a sort of a mirroring of the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch in the five books of the Psalms. Uh, so that some people even refer to these, the five books of the Psalms as the uh, Pentateuch of David. Now, again, it's not to say all the Psalms fall neatly into this pattern, but the overarching themes do seem to mirror the Pentateuch in some, some sort of distinguishable ways. Uh, and again, I'm just sharing this because I think it, it just further enriches our enjoyment of reading the Psalms, even if we've been blessed by them for many, many years without even noticing any of this. And so, uh, you can see the graphic on the page there, Uh, I tried to get a little reference to show who I stole this from and I couldn't find it, so apologies to whoever created it. Um, But I think it's a great little picture. Uh, You can see there, book one of the Psalms is a reflection, in part at least, of Genesis, and says a lot of Psalms there about the creation and God's relationship with man. Uh, Book two of the psalms then mirrors Exodus to some extent with with a big theme on deliverance and redemption. Uh, Maybe one day we'll come around to book three and we'll see some links to Leviticus as it talks about the sanctuary and the worship and God's holiness and his enthronement. Uh, Book four links to Numbers, there's sort of theme of wilderness and wanderings and the relationship of God's people with the nations. And then book five, there's real links to Deuteronomy, to these themes of scripture and praise. And there's sort of, um, you think of Psalm 119, don't you? These anthems of praise for God's word and the way that it leads his people. Uh, So what does that tell us for tonight about book two and some of its main themes? Well, Exodus is all about Israel's redemption from slavery and death in Egypt. And those themes of... Danger and deliverance of uh, ruin and redemption are especially woven throughout many of these psalms in Book 2. Many of them describe not just the nation of Israel, but the individual writer and reader as in danger of ruin, uh, of being enslaved or endangered by enemies without and enemies within, by those who oppose God's people on the outside and even more seriously by the sin and the guilt that opposes God's people on the inside. And they remind us that just as God rescued Israel, he's also able to rescue each and every one of us, every time from every one of our enemies, whoever we are, and however sinful and messed up we might be. They remind us, this is Book 2 of the Psalms, that we don't have to fix our own problems. In fact, we can't. We can't fix them, we can't save ourselves, but we can and should go to god in every danger every toil and every snare and cry out to him and he will undoubtedly rescue us and hopefully we picked up on that confident hope as we read through these particular psalms these 31 psalms are just dripping with that certain promise of god's rescue to all who put their trust in him Uh, now finally just a couple more things i I just wanted to draw out because they 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 grab me. I hope they grab you. Uh, The first is that book two of the Psalms strikes me as being full of what you might call salvation prayers, putting salvation prayers into the mouths of those who read it. Book book two is like the everyman book of prayer and praise. Uh, Book one focused very much on the covenant relationship between God and his people. It reveled in it and celebrated it, and that was reflected in the way that the psalmist would again and again refer to God as Lord, uh, or Jehovah, the covenant name of God. That's pretty much almost always the way God is referred to in book one, but in book two there's this incredible shift, almost the opposite, to God being referred to as simply God. And so, in one sense that reflects the ruin of the nation of Israel at the time, and of their need for revival and redemption, And so these psalms are meant to humble us and stir up a desire in us to cry out to God again, to call on him, to revive our hearts and refresh our devotion to him. But I think that repeated use of the word God is also deeply encouraging because here we have just prayer after prayer given by God as a gift to anyone from any nation and backgrounds to cry out to God for hope and rescue and salvation. In a sense, you don't have to be a member of God's covenant people to pray the Psalms in book two. And so that could be a wonderful gift for us to point our non-Christian friends, and family and neighbors to, to to give them these particular prayers that are gifted to us by God, to put on the lips of those that even don't know God as their Lord, as their Father yet. So that's a beautiful thing about book two. And the the other thing I'd say there that I think just stresses this point again is that the first eight psalms of this section, this is the final thing I wanted to share, the first eight psalms are not written by David but by the sons of Korah. Um, They were the ones who penned wonderful lines like Psalm 42, verse 1, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And the sons of Korah, and I've got to be honest, I was not, I've never really familiarized myself until now with who they were. Uh, The name didn't seem to particularly inspire any interest in me either. It's not the most catchy of names. But But it turns out they are a powerful picture of those who should be in the grave, but who have instead been delivered and redeemed and are overflowing with joy for what God has done for them. And that's because their ancestor, Korah, this is why the name Korah is famous in the Bible, once famously challenged the priesthood of Moses and Aaron. Uh, Korah and those with him despised the Lord and the ground literally opened up and swallowed them where they stood, swallowed them alive. Numbers 16 verse 33 says, they and all that belonged to them went down alive into Sheol, and the earth closed over them and they perished from the midst of the assembly. But, but some of the sons of Korah were spared and their descendants went on to serve the Lord in a very special way in the temple, leading the music and the songs that were sung in the tabernacle and uh, then the temple. Um, writing such choice words as Psalm 46 verses 1 to 3. And Maybe this is one passage that stood out to you, certainly did to me. But, but see the sort of the... Um, Perhaps the memory that that, that this brings back to their recollection. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way. Remember the earthquake and the swallowing up. We will not fear though the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. Uh, And then just a little quote here. One wonders if the poet who penned these lyrics was remembering his ignoble beginnings, his distant ancestor who perished in an earthquake for his pride and rebellion. Perhaps it was that reflection that prompted the following words of the same psalm. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. For each of us, our own songs of renewed purpose and redemption should flow out of a heart of humility as we remember the fallen state from which he raised us and the redemption that we experience through his grace. This was certainly the case for the sons of Korah. Well, now is the time to find out if that was the case for us as we read or what it was that God has particularly uh, impressed upon our hearts, encouraged us with, spoken to us through.